Hi, you're listening to the Blues Hall of Fame podcast, where we bring you the rich life histories of the incredible men and women enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame. Innovators, pioneers, entrepreneurs, geniuses. These are the individuals who not only shaped blues music, but paved the path for all forms of American music that followed. The Blues Hall of Fame podcast is brought to you by the Blues Foundation. For more information about the Blues Foundation, go to blues.org. We continue the series with Don Roby, one of the most powerful and controversial men in the history of American music. Gatemouth Brown once said of Roby, he pulled off something in America that no one else ever pulled off. We had the only world-renowned black recording company. That recording company included the legendary Peacock and Duke record labels, boasting stars like Johnny Ace, Bobby Boublan, Little Richard, and Big Mama Thornton. It also included retail record shops, pressing plants, print shops, a booking agency, and a circuit of nightclubs. It was nothing short of an empire. He launched the careers of countless stars and shaped the business side of rhythm and blues for generations. This is his story. Johnny Ace and Big Mama waved, smiled, bowed, and headed off stage as the cheers died down. It was Christmas night, the late show, and they had one more set. Johnny opened the dressing room door and saw empty bottles scattered across the floor. Johnny's girlfriend and Big Mama's girlfriend were already there smoking and joking with a DJ from KCOH known as The Bellman. Johnny sat on a dressing table and threw his arm around his girl. Johnny took the vodka bottle out of the bellman's hand and swigged. Big Mama practically snatched it right out of his mouth. Johnny pulled a pistol out of his pocket faster than Big Mama, put the bottle to her lips, pointed the gun at her, pulled the trigger. Everyone shrieked. Snap. Johnny laughed. (laughs) Big Mama grabbed the gun out of his hand. Don't you point that thing at anybody else, she told him. Big Mama popped open the revolver's chamber, spun it like a roulette wheel, and put the gun back in Johnny's hand. He snapped the chamber shut. It don't shoot, see, he said, and pointed it at his girl's head. Snap! Everyone was cussing and yelling. Johnny cackled. I ain't gonna hurt anybody, he said. He looked down the barrel, pressed it to his temple, and pulled the trigger. Bang. Big Mama looked at Johnny and saw his eyes roll. He drooped, keeled sideways, and crashed to the floor. Everyone still thought he was kidding. He just lay there smirking with a penny hole in the side of his head. Then the red blood spilled out of the other side like ink. They screamed and ran. The bellman called his radio station to break the news. Somebody had to tell Mr. Roby that his biggest star was dead. Don Roby stayed home for Christmas night and left his business partner, Evelyn Johnson, to handle the money at Johnny and Big Mama's show. The duty of informing Roby of the tragedy fell to Evelyn. Big Mama came along for moral support. In the car, Evelyn clicked on KCOH. The tribute had already begun. So darling, I sing my song. Don Roby opened the door. He had on red slippers and a green robe. He held a crystal tumbler full of golden liquid. Evelyn wore black patent leather heels, a tartan skirt, and white cashmere sweater. Behind her stood Big Mama Thornton. They heard KCOH crackling behind him. 
They stared at him. Big Mama shook her head. He could smell Big Mama's cigar smoke, Swisher Sweet. He looked up and said, How could I have killed him? I wasn't even there. It's no accident that everyone, including his own business partner, suspected Don of having a hand in Johnny's death. He spent years deliberately building the reputation that fit right in with such a scheme. Every storyteller has a medium, from radio, TV, movies, and magazines right down to the front porch. Don Roby worked the grapevine. He knew that a power gesture travels word of mouth to a small community like the music business. Roby liked to bundle all the cash he'd make from a show at his nightclub, stuff it in a money bag, and walk it into the bank with his gun in his hand to make the deposit. When a rumor made the Houston nightlife circles about a con man getting the best of Roby in a deal, Don found the man on the street and punched him out where everyone could see. His myth reached epic heights back when he won the contract of Johnny Ace. The conquest began when Roby got a call at the Peacock Records office from a disc jockey in Memphis. The jock said, I don't know much more about records than how to play them. Roby listened. But I cut a song on this kid that's a guaranteed hit. The DJ went on. I met your sales guy here at the station. He said, you know how to get the thing in stores. Get it some airplay. Collect from distributors. Roby's silence unnerved the DJ. He kept talking. I just think it'd be a heck of a thing for a white DJ and a black mogul such as yourself to go in together down there. At last, Roby spoke. I'm a black man and a white man. I can whip your tail or outsmart you. <laughs> okay, uh, I started a little record company called Duke Records. Roby said, send the master back with my salesman, and the partnership begins. Roby hung up. The white DJ barely knew what was going on, but shipped Johnny Ace's record to Houston, half on good faith and the rest out of fear. The DJ heard nothing more from Roby for two weeks. He found a fresh issue of Billboard in the lobby at work. He opened it up and flipped to a full-page ad. Don Roby proudly introduces Duke Records. The hot new R&B company debuts with the smash hit My Song by Johnny Ace. As the next issues of Billboard would attest, the ad was more like a prophecy. My song reached number one on the R&B charts and stayed there for two and a half months. But the DJ heard nothing from Roby. Worse yet, he received nothing from Roby, not a nickel. The DJ built up the courage to go see his silent partner in person. He walked right into the Peacock Records headquarters and into Don Roby's office. I'm here to work, he told Roby. I quit my job and I want to do my part for the company. Roby gave a moment's eye contact. He slid open a desk drawer. He removed a silver 45 caliber handgun. The DJ saw diamonds glinting in the grip. Roby set it down on the desk in front of himself. He slid open another drawer and he pulled out a little bundle of cash and tossed it on the desk in front of the DJ. And another. In all, Roby tossed out ten little bundles without saying a word. He rocked back in his chair and looked the DJ in the eye and said, You got bought out. The story got around through the small fraternity of rhythm and blues record companies, performance distributors, and radio people. Stingy distributors began to pay Roby back from records he'd shipped them years before. 
Don deeply appreciated the ripple effect of one powerful gesture. After Christmas night 1954, virtually everyone in the business simply said, Johnny got bought out. Roby did nothing to clear the air. Johnny's funeral was the biggest story in the news. B.B. King and Bobby Bluebland served as pallbearers. Mourners lined up for blocks and filed past Johnny's station wagon parked outside the church. Roby bumped into Big Mama Thornton standing over Johnny's open casket. You sure know how to throw a funeral, she said. She tucked a bullet into the pocket on Johnny's suit and walked away. After Johnny sank beneath the soil, Don went for a golf date with the radio station general manager. Tough break with Johnny, radio man said. Hey, that night nearly killed me, too, Don replied as he lined up a putt. The radio man felt a drop of sympathy. Curious, he tilted his head to ask how. Don said, I had to give 3,000 refunds when Johnny couldn't go back on. He smirked and sank his shot. Kid picked a terrible night to die, Don said. Johnny dropped right when his new single dropped. Forever, my darling, my love will be true. Roby rocked back in his desk chair. Evelyn Johnson sat across from him. He held up the new issue of Billboard and read to her. The recent death of Ace gave added impetus to what would probably have been heavy first week sales in any case. Pledging my love is spiraling upward at dazzling speed. Roby looked at her before completing the sentence. Almost as popular with pop customers as with R&B. He set down the magazine. Pop, Evelyn, he repeated. White people are buying this record. He reclined back in his chair. Our number one R&B hits ship maybe 50,000 a year. A pop hit ships a million. He pushed a piece of paper across the desk. Evelyn saw William Morris Agency letterhead. Don said, this deal splits ownership of pledging my love with the biggest entertainment company in pop music. He looked Evelyn in the eye. They're going to pitch it to everyone on their roster. Sinatra, Satchmo, think of it. I get half of every penny that song makes over on the pop side. Roby felt a hand on his shoulder. He smelled Swisher Sweet Smoke. He turned his head to look, but was stopped by the cold barrel of a gun to his temple. Big Mama took the pen out of Don's hand. She signed her name to the contract and slid the paper across the desk to Evelyn. Evelyn looked at Don and signed her name. Don Roby added his signature, as Evelyn told him. You got bought out. Forever, my darling. Thanks for listening to the Blues Hall of Fame podcast, brought to you by the Blues Foundation. The Blues Hall of Fame podcast is produced by Bill Street Caravan for the Blues Foundation, written by Preston Lauterbach and voiced by Guy Davis. For more information on the Blues Foundation, go to blues.org.